some verses from Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 10. First of all, Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Listen to the word of God. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his, his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of these things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ, as a, but Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. And then from Hebrews chapter 10, starting at 19, Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a, with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And then please turn in the Old Testament to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 12. Numbers 12 is the, uh, is the Old Testament reading and also the text for this morning's sermon. Maybe it seems a little random to you that I come with Numbers 12, but I guess um, whenever you have a guest minister, it's, it's sort of random. Um, the reason I'm preaching on this is because I'm teaching through the Old Testament with a group of um, Karen refugees, Karen, the Karen from the Karen tribe, the Karen people, uh, originally from Burma, more lately from a refugee camp in uh, Thailand. I'm teaching them, uh, just going through the Old Testament with them. And um, recently I went through, finished going through the book of Numbers, and uh, there are seven, some say eight, seven or eight rebellions 
in the book of Numbers, and this is one of the rebellions, uh, the history of one of the rebellions against Moses and the Lord. So let's read Numbers 12. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, made myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against Moses, my, against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, O oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. Please do not let, uh, let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, Please, Heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterward she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward, the people moved from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Beloved brothers and sisters, congregation of Christ, Christ, have you committed a sin which still burdens you? Are there things you have done, things that you have said that continue to weigh heavily on your mind? Are there things you wish you had not done or things that you wish that you could undo? Are, are, th are there words that you wish you could pull back into your mouth? You think to yourself, oh, why did I do that? Thing. Why did I say those words? 
what was I thinking? Or how could I have been so unthinking, so foolish, so senseless? Beloved, if you are weighed down by an evil conscience, then listen to the message of grace as it comes to you today, the message of forgiveness. I will preach to you this morning under this theme, The Lord is Gracious Despite Man's Supreme Arrogance. In our text, we hear about an arrogant attack, a decisive judgment, and a gracious forgiveness. So first of all, an arrogant attack. The opening words of our text say that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. They were both guilty, but Miriam was the instigator. Notice that her name is mentioned first, Miriam and Aaron. In fact, the Hebrew text makes that clear, more clear than the English translations do. It could even be translated, Miriam spoke and also Aaron against Moses. Miriam and Aaron's attack against Moses began with criticisms about the woman that he had taken as his wife. They don't even have the decency to call her by name. They just say the Ethiopian or the Cushite. Cush is an ancient name for, ancient, for uh, ancient Ethiopia. Who was this Ethiopian woman whom Moses had married? The Ethiopian empire was up against the southern border of Egypt and the empire went far south into, into Africa. Likely, the woman was from, from here, from this Ethiopia, from this ancient Kush. We know that many other people, many other peoples, a mixed rabble, sometimes it's called, left Egypt in the great exodus. They went along, they, were not, they, they went along, they identified with the children of Israel, and they went out in the great exodus. Was this woman part of that mixed multitude? Possibly, perhaps even probably. Now perhaps you are thinking to yourselves, children, boys and girls, perhaps you're thinking to yourself, hang on a sec, pastor, I thought that Moses married a woman called Zipporah, the daughter of the uh, priest of Midian. Midian was in a completely different direction from Ethiopia. Ethiopia and Midian were several thousand kilometers apart from each other and in different directions. Midian was east from Egypt. Ethiopia was south of Egypt. What is going on here? Well, the commentaries go in all sorts of different directions and have different ideas about uh, trying to crack this, this, uh, this, this difficulty. Um, all sorts of different ideas about the Ethiopian woman and Zipporah. 
Likely, Zipporah had died. It's not mentioned. Likely, she had died, and Moses had married again, married this Ethiopian woman. Without going down, following all sorts of rabbit trails and going down all sorts of gopher holes, I think that this is a sensible way to understand it. But Miriam and Aaron's objection, their criticism of Moses' choice of a wife, whatever, whatever it was, whatever their criticism was, we're not told. We're not told what their criticism was. Was it a matter of racism that she didn't belong to the children of Israel? Is that what it was? Or was it something else? We're not told what their criticism was. But we can know that it was a smokescreen for their real objection mentioned in verse 2. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken, uh, has the Lord not spoken also through us? They were rebelling against the leadership of Moses. They were arrogantly presuming that they were equal to Moses. Of the three siblings, Moses was the youngest. Was it perhaps the case of an older brother and an older sister not liking to submit themselves to their younger brother? Perhaps they could not stomach that, that the youngest brother was given a position of leadership. That the Lord did speak through Moses and Aaron was a fact. Mo, um, 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 Miriam that the Lord had spoken through Miriam and Aaron was a fact. Miriam was a prophetess. She was a leading woman among the women of Israel. After the Lord had brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea, we read in Exodus 15, 20, and 21, then Miriam, the prophetess, there you have it, she's identified as a prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. This song was given to, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was given to Miriam, Miriam to sing. So she was no doubt about it, a prophetess. The Lord spoke through her. As for Aaron, what did he bear on his chest? Do you remember, children, what he has? The Urim and Thummim, those two stones, however they worked. Don't know exactly, but the two stones, Urim and Thummim, mean something like perfect light, so perhaps a stone lighting up. Stones by which the Lord revealed his will to Israel. So when they asked, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? One would need to answer, no. The Lord has, spoken, the Lord has not spoken only through Moses. And when they asked, has he not spoken through us also? One would need to answer, yes. The Lord had also spoken through Aaron. And Miriam. The problem lay in their conceit, their arrogance. 
They were not happy with Moses' leadership. Now, this is not just a family squabble. No, they were objecting to how God had ordained things to be in his nation, in his nation Israel. They were seeking glory for themselves. The Greeks had a wonderful word for that, the word hubris. Hubris is conceit, it is vanity, it is pride, it is haughtiness, it is self-important. That was the attitude that Miriam and Aaron had. The priest and the prophetess gang up against the God-given mediator. What a mess. What a mess, beloved. Please note verse 3. Now the man Moses was very humble more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. So we have the arrogance, the conceit, the hubris of Miriam and Aaron on the one hand, and we have the humility, the meekness of Moses on the other. Now humble or meek does not mean that he was weak and a pushover. We know from other stories in the Pentateuch, in the five books of Moses, we know that Moses was not a pushover. He was not weak. Think only of the golden calf incident. When he came down off the mountain and he saw them carrying on with their immorality and worshiping this golden calf, he took that golden calf, he broke it into pieces, he put the, the gold dust into the water and he forced the people to drink it. He had anger. He had fury. What does it mean that Moses was the most humble man on earth? It means that he placed himself willingly, fully under the authority of the Lord God. Miriam and Aaron did the, uh, Miriam and Aaron did the opposite. <clears throat> Likely, verse 3 about Moses being the most Humble man on the earth was added by a later editor under, of course, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to imagine that Moses himself would have written those words. There are some simple lessons here for us, beloved. Lessons both for those who lead and for those who are being led. The lesson for leaders is to be like Moses. That goes for all leaders, whether officers in the church, whether parents and families, whether civil officers in government. Moses was a humble man who did what the Lord required of him, even when it was difficult. And it was often difficult. Think of all the rebellions that Moses had to contend with. All the rebellions of the children of Israel as they left Egypt, went through the wilderness towards the promised land. Let all leaders lead with Moses-like humility. But even more than modeling oneself after Moses, model yourself after Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ who said that he was humble and meek 
and lowly and came not to be served but to serve to serve and there is a lesson for those who are being led members of the congregation children of families canadian citizens we must humbly submit to those whom god has placed over us let us never say about our speakers what do they have to say over us are we not as good as they such an attitude is hubris and not pleasing to the lord secondly then a decisive judgment in the midst of their attack the lord spoke and summoned the three of them to the front of the tabernacle the great pillar of cloud remember that children the great pillar of cloud which by which the lord led the people of israel through the wilderness which turned to a pillar of fire at night that great pillar of cloud descended before the the tabernacle um over top of uh, the the three the three of them and god spoke he spoke to moses to to miriam and aaron he spoke to miriam and aaron and rendered a judgment now the lord's judgment consisted of two parts the first part is his ju- in, in his judgment he defends his servant moses the second and second part of the judgment is he punished aaron and miriam and especially miriam the instigator in defending moses the lord compared him to other prophets the lord from time to time revealed his will to his people through prophets by way of lesson uh, by way of dreams and visions but his revelation to moses was different with moses the lord spoke face to face or as rachi says in the hebrew mouth to mouth that means that the lord spoke and moses heard words not a dream not a vision but words words from the lord and then moses spoke and the lord heard the words of moses the lord did not speak to moses in riddles and moses saw the form of the lord moses once asked to see the glory of the lord that's in exodus 33 the lord said that that said moses that's not possible anyone who sees me will die anyone who sees me in my full resplendent glory a sinner if a sinner should see the lord god in his full resplendent glory then he cannot live and moses was as good as he was was still a sinner so god you remember the story in exodus 33 god hid moses in the cleft of a rock put his hand over and passed by and moses was allowed to see the back or in or the form of of the lord here in verse 8 the lord reminded them of that no one was allowed to see no one else was allowed to see even the form of the lord moses no 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 one else spoke with the lord face to face or mouth to mouth only moses did in verse 7 the lord said 
that Moses was faithful in all God's house. And that's why we read that passage out of Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3 refers back to what the Lord said about Moses. That, uh, but, it, but his point was that Jesus was so much greater than Moses. Moses was faithful, but still a sinner. And we know several things that he did. Think of striking the rock twice in frustration and anger. Moses was still a sinner. Although he was faithful in the, in the Lord's house, he was not perfect. The Lord Jesus came as the perfect one, much greater than Moses. Whereas Moses was a servant in God's house, Jesus is the son of God's house. Whether Moses, whereas Moses heard the word of the Lord, Jesus is the word of God. So we can learn something from the fact that the Lord defended Moses. Moses, Moses did not need to defend himself. You see that? He left it all up to the Lord. There's a lesson there for us, beloved. If you are wronged, and if someone attacks you, leave the judgment up to the Lord. He will set everything right and will be your defender. The second way in which the Lord rendered judgment was by punishing Aaron and Miriam, and especially Miriam, the instigator. The anger of the Lord burned against them, burned against Miriam and Aaron, and then, the, and then burned against them, and then the Lord departed. When the cloud of God's presence had departed, it was just the three of them standing there, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, and Miriam was leprous. Leprosy is, is, is in, in those times, referred to, uh, to, to many, to a cluster of skin diseases. There are several chapters in Leviticus, especially notably chapters 13 and 14, that talk about different skin diseases. Boils, ulcers, skin that peeled off, skin that became flaky, white. Leprous conditions made a person unclean, and he had to withdraw from the presence of the Lord and from the community. Today, God does not punish arrogant people in such ways, but from this we learn what the Lord thinks of conceit, of hubris, of arrogance, and what the Lord thinks of those who maliciously or insidiously attack those whom God set over them. They are storing up for themselves wrath, which, which will be unleashed against them on the, on the final day. Now why, we might ask, did God not punish Aaron in a similar way? Why didn't he give both Miriam and Aaron leprosy? After all, he was completely in on the attack. Miriam may have been the instigator, but Aaron was right, right there saying, absolutely, I second the motion. Well, I think for two weeks, remember that 
Miriam was the instigator. But also, if the Lord had struck Aaron with leprosy, that would have left the children of Israel without a high priest. The whole sacrificial ministry would have come to a halt. So even in God's judgment, we see glimmers of mercy. And that brings us then to the third thing that I want to mention to you, gracious forgiveness. God's gracious forgiveness. Aaron looked at Miriam and he was horrified. And he begged Moses not to punish them, not to punish them for their sin. He begged that Miriam not be like one, like, like, a, like, like, like one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. Aaron was right in confessing their sin. But he asked Moses not to punish them. He should have directed his confession and plea to the Lord. But okay, fact is, he directed it to Moses. And Moses then did the only thing left that the mediator of the old covenant could do. The only thing that a faithful servant in God's house could do. And that was to plead to the Lord. Plead for Miriam before the Lord. And he showed himself faithfully to, to be pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ. In this episode, we see the utter failure of the office of priest and prophet. Those two offices are in shambles. It is up to Moses, the faithful mediator, to intercede for those who have no hope. In this way, Moses, the faithful mediator of the Old Covenant, is looking forward to the final and perfect mediator our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness for Miriam. See that? There is healing for her. And yet she must bear the consequences of her arrogance. It was as if her father had spat in her face. To have someone spit in your face, it's as bad as it gets. Maybe not, but it's pretty bad having someone spit in your face. In Deuteronomy 25, verse 9, the Old Testament law mentions a time that a woman must spit in the face of a man. The case is when a man dies, and he, he dies without having, born, without having begotten any, any children. He died without having fathered a son. Then a brother a brother of that dead man was to take the widow and seek to raise up a child for, to, to perpetuate the name of the man who had died. If the brother is unwilling to do his duty, then the widow was publicly in the town 
gate in the city gates to take his sandal off and to spit in his face. And that brother would ever carry the shame of not having, not having performed his duty. The only evidence where someone is commanded. There's other places where uh, it refers to people being spat upon. But as far as I know, it's the only place where someone is commanded to spit into someone's face. So it, it's a sign of shame. Miriam is forgiven and healed, but she must bear the consequences of the shame by being quarantined. quarantined uh, we know all about that, don't we? Quarantined uh, for seven days, being put outside the community. And her experience of God's discipline of her was to stand as a warning for the whole community. As Moses said in Deuteronomy 24, verse 9, so quite some time later, remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way as, uh, as, in the way as you came out of Egypt. So brothers and sisters, let me conclude with the question which I began with. Have you committed a sin that has brought shame upon you and upon your family? Perhaps you are carrying with you the shame of past sin. I would encourage you this day to look to Jesus Christ, the final and perfect mediator. He is even better than Moses. He is the final and perfect priest and prophet. Moses did great work, but his work was imperfect and it was flawed. The work Christ did was perfect, even better than that of Moses. Christ took responsibility for all your sins. Do you believe that, brother, sister, children? Young people, Christ took responsibility for all of your sins upon himself. And he went to the cross. And there on the cross, he nailed your sins. And that is where they remain. That's where they remain. On the cross. And he now prays for you at the right hand of the Father. You know the Lord Jesus Christ died, but he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of God, pleading your cause at the right hand of God. And recently we commemorated Pentecost, and he has given his spirit to, to you, to dwell in you, to also to intercede for you, to take your imperfect prayers, because sometimes we don't know what to pray. Holy Spirit takes your imperfect prayers and he bathes them in the perfection of Christ and he brings them up to the Father's right hand all because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. You believe that? Believe it. After her week of being quarantined, quarantined 
Miriam was restored to the community. Verse 15. The community waited for her. They didn't move on. They waited for her. And only when she was restored to the community did they pass on from Hazaroth into the wilderness of Paran towards the promised land. Brothers and sisters, we are journeying together to the promised land. But it's not a promised land here on earth. It's the better country. The better country kept in heaven for us. For us who believe. But we're on that trip together. Let us wait for each other. Let us help each other. Let us show love to each other. Let us help one another up. When one falls, one stumbles in one way or another, let us be the first to give him a hand, to or her, her in hand, to pull, pull him or her up. Let us pull one another up and let us march together towards that better country, that promised land kept in heaven for us. And let each of us know that there is no sin so great that it cannot be forgiven other than the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, but that's a different topic. We may be fully assured that no sin or weakness which still remains in us against our will can prevent us from being received in grace by God. As the Holy Spirit says in Hebrews 10, 21 and 22, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us now draw near with a, with, with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Not only does the blood of Christ forgive you your sins, the blood of Christ also cleanses your conscience, cleanses an evil conscience away from you. So top to bottom, side to side, inside and outside, we are cleansed renewed, and it is well with us. Draw near to our Lord Jesus, beloved. Draw near to him. Believe in him. Love him. Embrace him. And then things will be well with your soul. Amen. Let us pray. Father in, Father in heaven, we come to you to confess that at times we are guilty of hubris, of arrogance and conceit. We pray, Lord, that you will forgive us our sin, that you will bathe us in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And if our consciences still plague us, we pray that the blood of Christ may also cleanse our consciences. We ask also for those who have been hurt by others, by others in authority over them, and who carry that with them. And we pray, Lord, <clears throat> we pray, Lord, that they may drop that 
and leave it with you. For you are such a good heavenly Father, and you love us and you care for us. Be with us in this coming week. That grant that we may be carried along by that gospel. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.